Hallelujah. It just dawned on me that we're singing Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, bless the Lord of my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of our sins, who heals all of our diseases. Blessed be the name of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing relief to those who are suffering. Thank you for showing yourself to be very real this night. We're honored. We're honored. Holy Spirit, we're honored. And we're so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You can go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. I used to not like holiday services. Because to me, they were like interruptions. Like, you know, you're supposed to, you know, it's Easter, Christmas, something like that. Uh, You're supposed to talk about these kind of things, you know. And so sometimes it can feel restrictive, you know. But I remember an Easter service wasn't too long after we started the church. That year, I believe it was two years after we started the church. It would have been about 99. Yeah, 99. We were meeting at the Primary Learning Center on Chambersbridge Road. How many people know where that is? Chambersbridge. Okay. Um, you worked there, right? I'm sorry? Is that what that's called now? Warren Wolf? Okay. So... That year, we had gotten a group of people, and don't, don't panic, I'll get into the message. Because <laughs> like, hey, when's he going to teach? <laughs> I started already. That year, we got a group of individuals, and we had this crazy idea. You know, when you first start your church, you can get away with anything. Yeah. So we got a group of people together, and we formed teams, and we, we had a driver, and then we would have four, uh, three other people besides the driver in the car. And I told them, all I want you to do is drive through neighborhoods and throw Easter eggs on their lawns. <laughs> and that's what we did. We filled up, like, I don't know, a couple thousand Easter eggs with an invitation on the inside. And the invitation was to come to Easter service. So um, at that point in time, again, we were at the chamber. So, so we concentrated on the neighborhoods around where the school was back there. And um, a little lady showed up. We had never met her before. It was the first time she came to our church. Angie rang, okay? And um, you remember Angie? And um, in the middle of worship, I hear on the inside, somebody here that desperately needs healing. And I'm like, Lord, you know it's Easter. I'm I'm supposed to teach a nice, cute message and, you know, be proper. Because there's there's people here today that have never been to church before. And they're going to think this is weird. But it kept, it kept coming. It kept coming. Now, there's a person here who needs healing. There's a person here who needs healing. So I was like, hey, what do I got to lose? It's only, we've only been in existence for a couple of years. So. <laughs> so I get up. I stop the worship team. And, I, and this little lady who came as a result of us throwing a plastic Easter egg on her lawn comes up. 
I pray for her according to the scriptures. Lay hands. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Laid hands on her. She instantaneously, instantaneously received this healing again of a respiratory situation. I don't know what God has with Easter and respiratory situations. But she instantly got healed and became a part of the church from that point on until she went home to be with the Lord uh, a few years ago. So uh, I've tried to, to make it a practice that if the Holy Spirit says to do something, we do it, okay? Um, he's never failed this yet. And he never will. And he never will. So, are you happy that it's Easter weekend? Do you, are, you, are you aware of why this is significant? I'll never forget years ago, some of you know I used to be in the food business. I was for many years in the restaurant business. I had a young man that worked for me, um, maybe 15, 16 years old. Uh, Pastor Cap would remember this incident because he was he working for me at the time also. And uh, this is a young man, uh, come from a really like pretty hardcore Italian family, okay? And so he came to work for us, and I was teaching how to cook and teach him all this other stuff. And it came Easter time. So myself and Pastor Cap, who neither one of us were pastors, obviously, at that time, we're talking about the resurrection. And he's washing, this other kid's washing dishes. And uh, he shuts the water off, and he goes, what are you guys talking about? I said, well, Easter's coming up, and we're talking about the resurrection. He goes, what do you mean? What resurrection? I said to him, what do you live in, a cave? <laughs> How do you not? He goes, I thought it was the Easter Bunny and all this other stuff. And I said to him, are you joking? And, and uh, he was so, like, that so impacted his heart that we got a chance to share the entire gospel with this young man. And uh, he did it at one point, make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it just t- turned him on, you know, it, just like he got excited about this. I mean, people come back from the, yeah, we know him one. And he's still alive. You know, so um, listen. During this holiday, I mean, you're here tonight, so obviously you're going to be probably spending time with family tomorrow, okay? And and do the chocolate bunnies and and do the Easter eggs and do all the jelly beans and stuff. And if you got any left, drop them off here. <laughs> Go ahead and do all that stuff. But when the opportunity presents itself, talk about Jesus. Well, you know, you don't know my family. No, you don't know your family. See, the devil has convinced you that they don't want to hear anything about it, and they're very desperately wanting to hear about it. Because every one of us is born with a piece missing on the inside. And only Jesus can fit that, that, that gap. He can, the only one that can fill that. You'll never experience fulfillment in this life, contentment in this life, security in this life, until you allow him to come and, and fill that void. Amen? So, oh, Lord Jesus. Time flies when you're having fun. So let me jump in here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pick and choose what I can share here. Uh, so I don't, you don't want to stay here till 9 o'clock, right? Come on. All the, all the visitors just went, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. We heard about these crazy churches where they have like four-hour services. Yeah, yeah. Not here, though, not now. Unless God wants us to. So think about this, okay? Jesus is standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, and he says to Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection. 
and the life. The one who believes in me will, will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 1992, I got the opportunity to preach. Probably one of the very first times I had the opportunity to preach. And I got the opportunity to preach in the Catholic, Italian Catholic church that I was raised in up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Okay? It was the occasion of my grandfather had passed away. When, and he went home to be with the Lord because he knew Jesus. He knew the Lord. And um, so they asked me to come and do a memorial service or, you know, to come at the church. You're going to have a mass, but they were going to allow me to come up and speak. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. The priest is going to be there. <laughs> and it, it was a tremendous experience. But when I had the opportunity to come up and talk, now, it was only two weeks after Easter that particular year. And I'm telling you a story for a reason. This scripture is powerful. When I got up, I talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I used this question, do you believe this? That was about maybe 80, 100 of my close relatives there. He said close relatives, yeah, big family. Okay, and um, I talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I'm here, and he, he let me in the pulpit. Which if you're Catholic, you know, that's like, whoa. He let me stand in the pulpit behind the rail. Like, whoa. I'm like, man, this is, Jesus has got to be standing behind me right now. So uh, the priest is sitting over here. I'm in this pulpit. The crowd is over here. And I said to the people that were there, Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And I said, we just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. The priest is like, I said, Ed. Jesus rose from the dead so that you and I can raise from the dead. Do you believe this? Because if you don't believe this, you got no business coming to church. And the priest went. So I said, okay, right now, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for our sins, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, I want you to stand up right now. Everybody in the church stood up including the priest. And I went, yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. There's power in the resurrection. There's power. Now watch this now. We wouldn't know about the resurrection if we didn't have the word of God about the resurrection. Yes or no? Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do from this point forward is to proclaim to you the resurrection and to proclaim to you what exactly, how we benefited from this resurrection. I want you to listen. I want you to please pay attention, okay? All right, let's go. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week. When's the first day of the week? Good, thank you. I'm so glad nobody said Monday. <laughs> Sunday. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, talking about Mary, Okay, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. They prepared this, this formula of spices to embalm him. Okay, um, But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And, and it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. That'll get your attention. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Wow. 
Imagine what, what's, what must have went through their, their minds when they heard this statement. He's not here, but he is risen. And remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, and they remembered his words. I'm telling you, I guarantee you that all throughout history, the sweetest words that were ever uttered is, he's not here, he is risen. That great news has transformed hearts of billions throughout the ages. This too-good-to-be-true news has power, contains power. Listen to this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul writing to the people at Rome who put their faith in Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say that word, please. Gospel. gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to what? Salvation. Salvation. Let's take 10 seconds to talk about this. What did he mean by that? The power of God to salvation. You see, some of us here, you may think the way I used to think. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I didn't kill anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. So I, I guess I'm going to get into heaven because I'm good and I'm a good person and you should like me. But that's not what gets us into heaven. And that's not what brings us into relationship with God our Father. It's the placing of our trust in Jesus Christ that he went before us, that he went to that cross willingly. All throughout, all throughout ages, there's been the, this controversy, who killed Jesus? Was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? No. No, neither one of them. He went to the cross because he had to sacrifice himself. Because God, 1,500 years before Jesus went to the cross, established a principle that there's a lamb to be slain, that blood is to be applied to the doorposts of the slaves in Egypt, the Israelites, and that because of that blood, death would pass over them. There's something, and, and God made sure they understood it's this lamb, this lamb, this lamb. You, remember, you might remember when, when John the Baptist was out there preaching, and all of a sudden Jesus comes down the road one day, and he turns to his disciples and says, points to Jesus and go, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. You remember that, right? So we receive our salvation when we place our faith and trust in the fact that Jesus is who he is, that he did what he said he was going to do, went to the cross, died on our behalf, suffered a horrible death, suffered the punishment that you and I should have. And then God the Father in heaven received Jesus' blood just like he used to with the lambs for 1,500 years, all those millions of animals that were slaughtered that would cover the sins of the people for one year. And every year they had to come back. But there's a big difference. You see, when you slaughtered a lamb in the sacrificial system, the cover, that blood covering your sins, it didn't change your heart. You walked away still with the old nature. Your sins were covered for a year, but your nature didn't change. But when the lamb of God went to the cross and sacrificed himself, allowed the Romans to mutilate his body, allowed them to shove those thorns in his skull, allowed them to pierce him, nail him to a piece of wood. When that lamb sacrificed himself, 
our natures are changed when we put our trust in him. Jesus referred to it this way. You must be born again. Your spirit, you're born physically once. Your spirit must be born the second time. It's a second birth, the new birth. And it happens when you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've got to assume that you're here tonight. Somebody might have bribed you. Somebody might have threatened you. But you're here. And you probably, because we live in the United States, we live in a Western culture here, you probably have heard about Jesus. You probably know some of the story. But have you met him? It's a big difference. I use this illustration all the time. I have relatives in Montreal, Canada. I know about them. I could tell you what year they came to this country. There's a bunch of them, instead of coming from Italy, instead of coming to New Jersey area, they went to Canada. I know they exist. I wouldn't know them if I tripped over them because I'd never met them, but I know they're there. I know they exist. I know their names, but I've never met them. So I can't say that I have a relationship with them. And that's how the majority of people are in our culture. They've heard about Jesus. Yeah, we know about this guy. Probably a good man, works in miracles. Wonderful teacher. But they've never met him. And our goal tonight is to bring this gospel to you. So that for those of you that have never had the opportunity to say, Jesus, I believe in you. My faith and my trust are in you. I know you died in my behalf. I should have went to the cross. I should have suffered that. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. If you've never had the opportunity to make that declaration, I pray that by the time we're done here tonight, you take that opportunity. So, the gospel, the gospel. Paul says the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. There's the key. Not for everyone who sacrifices their life, not for everyone who gives away all their money, not for everyone who lights a million candles in a church, to those who believe. And just like Jesus said to Lazarus' sister, I'm going to ask you this question ahead of time. Do you believe? Paul said this gospel, this good news, is really too good to be true news, but it is, it's true. And it has the capacity to take us from being sinners, going to hell, to salvation, those that will spend eternity in the presence of God. Now, let me clear up this other thing. This is what a lot of people think, because I used to think this stuff too. Well, if I'm not a Christian, if I don't believe in Jesus, when I die, I'll just cease to exist, and that'll be the end of it. Oh, honey, you should be that lucky. No, no. Everybody lives forever. You were created that way. See, this body, this flesh, this is just, this is the thing that carries us around. The real person who you are and the real person who I am is my spirit that now is alive unto God. God is spirit. The Bible tells us that we were made in his image and his likeness. He's spirit. So if he's spirit, we're spirit. Amen? And that spirit's going to live forever. It's like the real estate. It's location, location, location. Where are you going to spend that eternity? That's what we need to decide while we're still breathing, while we're still alive. Amen? Amen. Paul summed up the gospel 
summed up the resurrection story this way. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, so it has to be received, amen, and on which you've taken your stand. You've got to take your stand now. You place your faith in it. By this gospel, you are saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity separated from God in a, very, in a very terrible, horrible place of torment. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. He's going like, this is a priority. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter's Aramaic name. So I'm talking about Peter, Simon Peter. And then to the 12, talking about the rest of the apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Could you imagine that? We think that this thing, this resurrection, happened in a corner someplace and only a few people knew about it. He appeared, it says here, he appeared to 500 people. I'm not talking about before he went to the cross. I'm talking about resurrected. Man, I, I, I want to, when we get to heaven, I want to talk to those. I want to say, what was it like? Man, this guy blew our mind. The last time we saw him was nailed to the cross. Suffering, brutalized, mutilated. He goes, now, here he is alive. And imagine what that must have been like. So it says, they appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, this is Paul speaking now, Last of all, he appeared to me. Now, he's talking about on the road to Damascus. You remember that, right? Jesus appears to him, okay? As one, as to one abnormally born. In other words, I'm the freak out of the whole group here, he's saying. He should have never appeared to me. I shouldn't be doing this stuff. It doesn't make sense that I'm preaching the gospel. Why? I'm the guy who persecuted the church. I was there when Stephen was stoned to death. He's like, I I shouldn't even be doing this. I could say the same thing. Of all the people that I knew, I'm the last person that should be standing here doing this. But by the grace of God, we do what he, we do what he calls us to. Amen? Amen? The message of the resurrection is good news, and I'm going to give you a few different reasons why. Number one, because we're dead in our sins and help us to change. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless... You know, you can't change your life. I don't care. I, I, you know, I'm going to this support group. I got this self-help book. I'm, I'm, I'm going for this. I'm going. No, you can't change your own life. If you could have changed your own life, you would have did it already. You can't. You need his grace, and his grace is very active towards you who believe. So just at the right time, while we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about this. You know, during wartime, it's not unusual to hear stories about these courageous soldiers. They jump, who, who jump on a hand grenade to save the rest of their, their brothers, their fellow soldiers. And so you got a, a good man dying for good men. But think about this. Jesus jumped on the grenade while we were still degenerates, while we were still filthy, while we were still sinners, while we were still on our way to hell, he took the grenade. Okay, him going to the cross was the equivalent 
of a soldier jumping on a grenade to save everybody else. He knew the only way he was going to break the power of death off of us is if he went before us and experienced death. Broke the power of death off of us. And that's why he could say in front of Lazarus' tomb, if you believe in me, even if you physically die, you're still going to live. Your spirit's going to live and experience eternal life. This is good news because we were far from God and, and hopeless and helpless. Ephesians chapter 2, I really like this scripture because it really describes the condition that we're in before we come to Christ. It says, remember that at that time, before you believed in Christ, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. In other words, you had nothing to do with God. There was no connection there. You were living your own life. You're on your way to hell. Without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, thank God for verse... Everybody say, thank God for verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. We suffer from fear and loneliness in hard, cruel world. And because of the resurrection, the good news is we're not alone. No matter what you go through, you're not alone. Romans 8 Verse, I'm going to jump right to verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, this is, this is Paul writing now, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor any else in, anything else in creation will be able to, listen, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what, no matter what life throws at us, Regardless of the trials and the trauma we're exposed to, we're never alone when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The good shepherd has been risen from the dead in order to care for his sheep. The gospel tells me that I'll never be separated. No matter what happens, I'll never be separated from the love of Jesus. And that, folks, is good news. Not only this, I'm going to try to, to kind of quicken this a little bit more and just Kind of wrap this up. When you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this relationship is established between you and him, and really between you and God. But there's something that changes in your eternal destiny, but it starts here on the earth. You know, some people think, well, when I get to heaven, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. No, 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 no. We step into eternal life here. Because you make your decision here whether you're going to be you're going to live eternal life or whether you're going to live eternal death. One way or the other, you're going to live forever. But there's something that happens, and, and I want to read you this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece. Some translations say one-of-a-kind, custom-crafted work of art. Okay? So wrap all of those definitions up. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when, when I place my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when I declare that I believe that he's the Son of God, that I believe in he died on the cross, I believe he rose from the dead, Jesus, come into my heart, fill me with your Holy Spirit, something changes. My path in life changes. I begin to step into true purpose. And trust me, you could ask my wife, I lived a frustrated, frustrated life the first 27 years of my life. 
Now, in 27 years, in just those maybe four or five years before I turned 27, we accomplished a lot. I built my first house when I was 20 years old, right back here in this neighborhood. Not me physically. I got to do a couple of things. But bought a piece of property at 19 years old, built a house on it at 20 years old, had, took over, bought a business here, made a ton of money, bought, bought a two-family house. But in the world's view, like 27 years old, beautiful car, money in my pocket, could, could go and waste thousands in Atlantic City. At the time, don't look at me like that. <laughs> in the world's view, man, this kid for 27 years old, he's successful, miserable, worse than miserable. In fact, when I got born again, I was two weeks away from committing suicide because nothing mattered. No matter what I accomplished, no matter how much money I made, no matter how many cars I had, no matter none of it mattered. It, none of it because none of it fulfilled anything. But the morning after. I said that prayer in a church on a Wednesday night. The next morning, it was like the whole course of my life shifted. Now, I don't tell you these stories to say, wow, look at this guy. No, you can have the same experience if you haven't had it yet. The whole course of your life changed. Why? Because God, we are God's handiwork. We're his custom crafted... But you see, you don't step into that custom crap. You don't step into divine purpose. You don't step into fulfillment until you get connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to lead you on the path of his plan for your life. And then you have contentment. Then you have fulfillment. I wouldn't do anything else right now what I'm doing and have been for the past 25 years. I would not do anything else don't care how much money, don't care what, I would not do anything else. Why? I stepped into my purpose. And I'm appealing to you, to those of you that might still be in that frustrated period of life, that you're like, man, what's the use of living anymore? It's like, what is this, what am I here for? What is this all about? I pray in the name of Jesus that if you haven't taken that step yet, you'll give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and watch what he does with you amazing adventure that you'll be on. So, now Jesus had a mission on the earth. He was to preach this gospel. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus walks into the synagogue that he grew up in, in Nazareth, one Saturday morning. And this is what he read. He opened up the book, a scroll to the book of Isaiah. And, he, and this is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. That word really means empty or vacant. To preach the good news to the empty. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. God bless you. And recovery of sight for the blind. And to set the oppressed free. Later on, he told us that this was our job. You have a purpose. He has a plan. He wants you desperately to step into that plan. But he's not going to over, overrule your will. You have to say yes from your heart. There is not one person in heaven right now, or ever will be, that was forced to go there. That's not God. God is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. He would not do that, because the moment he would force someone to go to heaven, he would cease to be love. Love honors our free choice. Amen? Amen. 
So he told us in Matthew 28, 18, last words he spoke before he ascended into heaven. Then Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The gospel is good news because it's our purpose that's awaiting us. It's, he's waiting there. He's waiting for you to say yes so you could step onto that plan and live a life that is contented. Now, I didn't say you're never going to have challenges. didn't say you're never going to have a tax to deal with. You're never going to have tribulation in this life. You're going to have. Things are going to come. Challenges are going to come. But man, walking through them with him is so much better than walking through them alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I want to wrap this up. I want to ask you that question again. See, we're going to get ready to take communion. Sit a little cup on your, on your seat. You have it? Let me see. Wave it, wave it, wave it. I hope you didn't sit on it. So we're not paying the cleaning bill. We're going to get ready to take communion together. Uh, the worship team can come up here. But before we take communion, listen to me. I want, you, I want you to just for a moment just do this for the sake of everyone else that's in here, okay? Just, just close your eyes for a moment. I don't want you to be focused on anything else. I want you to just concentrate. Just, just and I, here's, what, here's what I want to do, okay? Picture yourself at Lazarus' tomb. His two sisters are heartbroken. Their brother was very young. He shouldn't have died, but he did. And not only that, Jesus waited four days to get there, and there's a reason he did that. Because in the ancient Hebrew mindset, once a person was dead four days, they considered it absolutely impossible for that person to come back to life. Jesus finally arrives. His sisters are heartbroken. They're sobbing. They say to him, if you were here, my brother would have died. And he says to them, I'm paraphrasing, honey, it ain't over yet. And she goes, yeah, I know. And the last day, he'll raise from the dead just like everybody else. And, and he goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. I am the last day. I am the resurrection. In other words, you're not going to have to wait for them to see your brother. And then he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though somebody should die physically, they will not die spiritually. And he said, do you believe this? And just stay where you are right now, eyes closed. I want to ask you this question. This is between you and God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Don't answer out loud. Do you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins? And do you believe that God raised him from the dead? If you do, and you've never before this moment in time ever asked him to be your Lord and your Savior, and you don't want to go to hell, your eternal destiny can be changed in the next moment. If you say, I believe all this, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. I want to receive salvation. Take one hand right now and just put it up. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Please, please, don't let your pride, thank you, sir. Don't let your pride blind you. Thank you, thank you. Praise God. All right, put your hands down. Wow. Now, what about this? How about if you're saying, Pastor, I said that prayer years ago. It was a time I really was close to Jesus, but I don't know what happened. I just drifted away. And I really want that relationship on fire again. If that's you, would you raise your hand up, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Put your hands down. All right, let's do this. We're going to pray a prayer, all of us together. We're going to make a declaration of faith, every one of us in this room tonight. And God's going to hear it. And he's going to change something in you. Your spirit's going to come alive unto God. There's going to be a connection between you and him because you are declaring your faith in the one who went to the cross on your behalf. After that, we're going to worship. After that, we're going to take communion together. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Let's say this prayer together, every one of us. Stand, please. Say this with me nice and loud. Mean it from your heart. Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he went to the cross on my behalf, shed his blood, suffered a terrible death, took all my punishment on himself. I believe that three days later, you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead, and he's alive. And right now, I ask Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me a child of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen to me. Listen to me. There's a party going on right now. Heaven says that all the angels rejoice when one person, one sinner, receives Christ as Lord and Savior. There's multiple sins. So listen, with that thought in mind, for those of you that prayed this prayer for the first time tonight, or those of you that prayed it to rededicate your life to the Lord, we're celebrating with you. Let's worship the Lord, and then we're going to take communion together. Hallelujah. Before we take communion, I would like you to do one thing for me, please. Those of you who said that prayer tonight for the first time, or those of you that said it as an act of recommitment, we have a package that's prepared for you. There's going to be a Bible in there. There's going to be some other things in there. We would love to be able to give that to you. We want you to really remember this Easter. So those of you that that said that, that said that prayer, the ushers are prepared to come to where you are. Would you just please just lift your hand up if you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, I know there was a bunch of other people here. So the ushers can come over and give you that. There's one over here, over here. Okay, keep those hands up, please, so the ushers can see where you are. I know there was a bunch of people over here that lifted their hand. Please lift your hand so the ushers can see where you are. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? God saw you. You might as well lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Okay, very good. All right, thank you. Um, Why don't you be seated?
Take that communion cup. And I feel like I need to say this, that from time to time, I feel like the Holy Spirit impresses on me to say this. Listen, I know there's some churches that tell you if you're divorced, you can't receive communion. That's unscriptural. That's not in the Bible. Okay, if that's you, you're here, you went through a divorce, whatever it is, please, you're welcome to take communion with us. Communion is a grace of God, and we're not to withhold that from anyone. Amen? I don't know who that applies to, if it does, if it doesn't, but just know that. Okay, so the instructions that we, we receive in the Bible and in the New Testament for communion as a church comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I'm going to pray over this. We're going to give God thanksgiving for this. And then we're all going to take it together as one church family. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessing upon this bread, Lord God. We recognize that it's symbolic of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was pierced for us, that was bruised for us. Father, and the word tells us that by the wounds he received, we are healed. So we thank you for your blessing upon this bread. We recognize tonight the bread of life who gives life to all who believe in him. And we are so grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place. We receive this with thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go right ahead. Just peel the foil off the top of that cup, please. What you're holding in your hand is representative of the most powerful thing in the universe. This is symbolic of the blood of Jesus by which Satan was completely defeated. Death was defeated. You were given the ability to come into the presence of God because of the blood without any sense of guilt or condemnation. And that, church, is good news. Father, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for all that it represents, Lord God, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, the better covenant with better promises, Lord God that you have initiated and brought us in. Father, we bless you tonight. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you endured on our behalf. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, please. Folks, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you for being so patient and flexible. I realize we went a little bit longer. Um, do appreciate your focus and your attention. Now listen. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. On behalf of my wife, myself, our staff, I want to wish you all a very, very blessed Easter, happy resurrection weekend. Amen. Now let's just do one last thing, and let's just stand up, and let's go out of this place singing and worshiping God. Amen. Amen.